0: in the one he loves in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of god's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he has made known to us that the mystery of his the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under christ in him we are also chosen until the redemption of those who are God's possession, the place of his glory.
1: Lord, my prayer today is that I may honour you with what I say. In fact, that's my prayer for all time, Lord. That in everything I do, I may may honour you and glorify you. Amen. My topic for today is chosen. A nice, simple topic. And one thing which... uh, Unfortunately, in the history of the church, has always been a source of unity. I think it's good, actually, that we talked, and Tim, I felt, gave a really prophetic word last week about the need for unity, that need for reconciliation between us, and all those things. And so I'm actually going to bring a topic which is broad division, and how I try to show, looking at the scripture, how it can, in fact, be a cause for unity. So the word is chosen. And I'd like to give uh, my own experience to start with. Um, At the age of 14, my parents decided it was a good idea if I went to a Christian camp. And uh, I ended up in uh, one in Sulkham, Devon. Um, my parents and myself, we used to go regularly to church. I'd been baptised as an infant, although I can't remember much about it. I'd been confirmed at the age of 11, of which I could remember something. And I wasn't thinking, but well, because of that, I was a Christian. And I worked out, because each night we had a series of talks, how there there was going to be a sequence in this. And I worked out that this particular night there was going to be some sort of message where a response would be needed. But I thought, that's for everybody else. I don't need to bother. After all, I've been baptised and confirmed. And ironically, it was an Anglican minister who gave the talk. And he said a lot of good things. And at the end of it, he just said one thing to me, which spoke really to me. And he said, you can be baptized and confirmed. It doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, I will say now, is the time of my conversion. It was the age of 14. I'm now 68. That's 54 years ago. It's one of those things I never will regret. And I'm sure that a, a number of you can also point to such time. But also, I'm well aware of the fact that maybe for you it's not clear cut, but you know now that you are a Christian, you believe, etc. And both are totally correct. But that was my experience. And my experience thinking about it is I made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to be committed to him. I then went to university after a few years, and I was told by a Christian that I'd got it all wrong. Being told you have it all wrong when you're a youngster is good preparation for marriage, I can tell you. (laughs) I'm glad Wendy's laughing rather than you we go. the ghost. I was told that really, when God speaks to you, there's nothing you can do about it. You will become a Christian, whether you like it or not. Now that didn't seem right to me. But a lot of my friends in the Universe Christian Union felt that way. And one of the things they used to say was, if you don't believe it, read Ephesians. And they were actually thinking of the passage, which uh, Sam read a few minutes ago. Because that proves how wrong you are, John, and how right we are. I would say that I still feel the same as I did then. So it didn't work. <laughs> Forty years later, when I was doing my uh, degree in theology, we were in a room. We were talking about soteriology, which is the saving God, which is a far better way of looking at it, because we do believe in the God who saves. At least I hope we do. (laughs) And we had some of those discussions again. Is it a decision we make? Or is it something which we really have no part of because God overwhelmed us so much by his Holy Spirit that we will make that decision whether we like it or not? It was a friendly discussion because we all had a great respect for each other. But as so often happens in academic discussions, you push each end to its extreme. So those who believe like I do, they're pushed to the idea, you know, that it's really nothing to do with God, it's it's all a decision of oneself, the Holy Spirit doesn't come in, etc., which is totally wrong. But others on the other extreme have said, well, a person has no part in this at all. And there have been things in history, including the history of the Baptists as well, which have actually put one extreme and the other extreme, because the first Baptists were known as general Baptists. They believed like me. And then later there was a group called a particular Baptists who believed like my friends. And some of those particular Baptists started getting a bit worried. And it's a thing I've had to confront Paul with just before the service started. Because they said... You mustn't push evangelism too much because it's possible that somebody may be a Christian, may become a Christian, God doesn't intend to become a Christian. And I think, you know, that's a danger we have to have in evangelism. Converting somebody who's not supposed to be, I must admit it doesn't worry me at all. <laughs> I'm sure that God understands all those things. And it was also the case in the Methodists as well. Wesley took one view and Whitfield took another view. And it was a cause of much heartache. There are also echoes I can see in my chaplaincy in a direction which I hadn't realized. Many of the people I meet are Muslims. And we have some good conversations to each other. And I'd like just to show a picture of one of them. I don't know how clear it's on the screen. Martin, you may want to turn the lighter. The person in the middle, his name was Nabi. He's there with his two sons and obviously being very proud of them. I think probably from what the son on the uh, left-hand side of the picture as you look was probably going through some sort of ceremony in, in the mosque or something like that. And Nabi was proud of him. Why do I use the word was? In the beginning of September, Nabi, a bus driver, was waiting at a bus stop, just round the corner from our garage. At great speed, a car came over a canal bridge, just by the bus stop it plowed straight into Nabi and killed him. Obviously, it didn't just strike the the garage, but there was this feeling also amongst fellow bus drivers, engineers, managers, and at one stage they asked me whether I would just accompany them to that spot, lay flowers, and have a time of silence where we could pray. But I found that some of the Muslims, now they do say some, very much were thinking, well, this was what was supposed to happen God's sovereign will, etc. They had a fatalistic attitude. I also found that when I've been speaking to drivers about things like uh, vaccinations for cor- coronavirus. They say, well, if God means me to die, that will, will happen. And having vaccination will not change anything. Mm-hmm. And we had a chat there, and there was um, a group of a number of us talking about this once at a bus stop, a different bus stop in town. And I said to, to the guy, well, when you cross the road, will you look both ways? He said, Yes, I will. And the other driver started chuckling because they knew what I was saying. That yes, we do believe that God is a sovereign God who is in charge. But we still have a responsibility to do things. We have a responsibility just to drive in a safe way. We've a responsibility also, and I believe this is true. Uh, to, to, to do things like vaccinate themselves. In fact, I've been involved in the COVID vaccine project over the last few weeks. So there is an extent, even now it's becoming relevant. How do we look on God? How do we actually take into account that he is sovereign? And yet we too have decisions we have to make. We have things we should do. And for ourselves a decision to follow him and not only to follow him but to keep following him because the two are important and therefore i think maybe the truth can be found a bit in the middle however messy that might appear anyway we'd had that discussion at college going back there and After speaking to the lecturer, the lecturer was actually quite sad because he felt that both sides were saying, The God you believe in is a tyrant. And he said, That isn't the right way of looking at things. But I pondered a bit more, and I pondered, I pondered, and then I had a light bulb moment. And that light bulb moment. What's all to do with that chap there? And I wonder whether anybody recognizes who it is. His name is Karl Barth. The sort of theologian you, you read and read and read again and you still can't understand what on earth he's saying. To some extent, he's a hero. Because in the early decades of the 20th century, theological Bible study became... So much things like what were the sources, various other things. they were looking at everything when they were doing Bible study, apart from the passage himself, the passage itself. but wrote a commentary on Romans, and he went straight into what the passage means and what God is telling us. And for that reason, he was a hero. Fortunately, his private life didn't quite measure up to his uh, profession. And it is freely acknowledged that he had an affair for a number of years. But there is one thing that I take from Bart for which I am grateful. And that is about the eternal nature of God. What Bach said, there's the idea of chosen, the idea of being an election, is mainly not about us, But it is about God. Because God is the one who chose to send his Son to this earth. The incarnation, bringing in the kingdom of heaven as he preached and as he did miracles. Dying but being victorious over death in the resurrection and sending the Holy Spirit, so the whole thing continues. This was part of God's eternal purpose. And aren't we grateful for that? But the other thing is that Jesus was very much part of that as a member of the Trinity. And the eternal God is the one who in his Son elects himself. In other words, God was choosing himself. To do all these things. And what Bart said is take that to start with and see what follows. And what follows is in Jesus Himself, He elects His people. If you look in Ephesians, you'll find things like in Him, in Christ in the Lord Jesus, come up frequently. In fact, over 30 times in Ephesians. You may say, well, does this happen in the other epistles? And the answer is, not nearly so much. Because in this passage, which for many people is a proof passage of the, the point of view they had, what Paul is doing again and again Is looking to Jesus. For he chose us. He didn't just chose us. He chose us in him. In him, we were also chosen. You also were included in Christ. Can you see the emphasis is always on Christ? And because we are in Christ as his body, as the building, as the people of his power, then we too are chosen. We, too, are the elect. I sort of think, in that case, how we get there is of secondary importance. The fact is that we are in Christ. Hallelujah! Second thing, Paul uses the word us quite a lot. In other words, he's saying that if you take the focus slightly away from Christ, the next focus is not just, not us as individuals. It's us as a body of his people. As Tim said last week, a reconciled body. So we together with Christians all over the world are his chosen people, because he is chosen. And that is great. If you look at the Old Testament, you see the idea, clearly there, that Israel were the chosen people of God. And they were chosen to bring blessing to all the earth. Now we are the people who were chosen of God for the same reason, to bring blessing to all the earth. Blessing in the word which we proclaim to others, whether that's through our lives or through speech. Blessing in other things we do. And I know, and it's right, there's been an emphasis in Olten over the last few years of doing the social things. And I hope it continues as well. Not in place of proclaiming the gospel of Christ, but in addition to it as well. All this, so what? Firstly, it's a reason for celebration. I'll just give something else from my family. I have a half-cousin called Edna, whose husband is Peter. Peter. They tried for a long time to have a baby, and it didn't happen. This was in the 60s. Possibly it would happen today with IVF and other things, but it didn't happen then. So they decided to go the way of adoption. And they did adopt a young lad called Michael. This is the 60s, so he's actually starting to get on a little bit now. And they decided right from the start, as soon as he was able to understand, to make it quite clear, the circumstances of his adoption. And they said, Michael, you're our son because we chose you. And they did such a good job. Apparently, when he went to school, he said, I'm special. I'm chosen. And all those who got biological parents were supposed to feel slightly inferior because of that. But us being chosen is a reason for Paul says to celebrate and to praise. Paul says because we're chosen, we have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. Isn't that great? Because we are chosen, his grace, something we didn't deserve, has been lavished upon us. We know all about being redeemed that God has brought us back, and that we've been forgiven. Isn't that a great thing because we're chosen? And it means that we can reveal the mystery of God, God's will in Christ, just as God's will in Christ was revealed in what we said before, the incarnation, the bringing of the kingdom of God, the death, the resurrection, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and also the promise that he would come in glory at some stage. The promise of the fulfillment of the kingdom. Jesus brought in the, the kingdom. The kingdom is here, but there's a not yet expressed. that it's going to be totally fulfilled at the end of the age. And all things Paul says at that time, will be united under Christ. Cause of uh, celebration. And so now, we're actually going to take that as an impetus, as an introduction to communion. But before then, if I've got my of service right, I think we're going to have another song. Right, now it's time for us to come to communion. To celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And some of the themes that I've been mentioning, I want us to continue. And also, the very much the theme that uh, Tim uh, presented last week. Of being able to move uh, from the positions that we are. Giving forgiveness. Reconciliation. All those things. Because Tim was aware of the fact that In one or two places in the fellowship over the last few months, there's been discord, there's been hurt, and there's been things like that. And it's encouraging that we can actually come together as God's people around his table. Now, it's ever so unusual. I'm not used to these, (laughs) but I hope that you are. I like a nice piece of bread, which I could break as we go through this. And a cup to hold up with wine in, and all those sort of things. Unfortunately, because of COVID, it's it's not like that. But God is still here, isn't he? And God can bless us as we worship together. And there are times when, in fact, as we go through, there are words I want you to say to each other. That's either the person you're with, or maybe for the person on their own to say their words of blessing as we go through this time together. Today, as we meet around his table, we celebrate our common salvation. God has saved us all who have met together around his table. We have a common inheritance as well, which means that what we have now will continue. We are heirs to the, all the promises that God has given And we have eternal unity in Christ. A unity which at the moment is flawed and will be flawed until the end of the age when we will all be completely united in him. But God wants us to celebrate the unity that he has given us. The reconciliation that he has given us. And therefore, he encourages us to meet in this way, to take bread together and wine, even in a way like this. Let's remember what Paul wrote. But before we do, i just like to lead us in a few prayers together. Lord, we come before you. We're aware of the fact that some of the things we said in the last week and before then have not pleased you. Some of the things we said, some of the things we've done. And Lord, we come here asking that you'll forgive us. And if another person has been involved, Lord, now we ask for your rich blessing on them. But we also, Lord, come with thanksgiving. because this bread and this wine speaks of what you have done. The redemption that you have brought, the reconciliation you have brought between people who were not only far off you, but far from each other. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you that you left this tangible illustration of what you've done. And as we eat, we're taking part in you, Lord. As we drink, we're drinking of your salvation. So, Lord, lead our thoughts now and our hearts as we worship you together by observing this sacrament. Paul's words are... For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, (laughs) took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So would you like to open the sachets? Is there any, and as, you, as we take the bread together say to each other he gave his body for you or something like that so let's just think of those words Jesus gave his body for us in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood blood Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's encourage each other with the words. He shed his blood for you. And let's remember also the final words that that, uh, Paul said. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we look forward to the fact that Jesus will come again and we are pleased and we rejoice that we can share in this sacrament until that day. Hallelujah.